Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. Today, we'll be taking a look at the finale of the third season of Disney Plus's original series, The Mandalorian. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Guatemala's Got Talent finalist, Ivan. You know, I had to go all the way there because Mexico is too big of a country to really, you know, there's too much talent there. I had to go to somewhere where they didn't know me at all, and I could just play my accordion to some decent level talent. No hate on Guatemala. I hey, just, you know. The GGT is my favorite program. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's constantly on my YouTube suggested page. Between that and people trying foods that they're not used to trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first time eating KFC. All right. Why is this being filmed? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this too, but I've gone down the rabbit hole of like, there's this YouTuber dude that knows how to speak different languages. And so oh, he's yeah. like, he'll like go and like try to impress the people in that community. <laughs> I always yeah. thought it's a cool thing, but then he spoke Spanish, and I was like, okay. He's one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get into YouTube shorts? I find myself, like, I'm not even watching them. I just want to see one good one, and I get, like, maybe one out of, like, 20 that I care about. The shorts format, I feel like I can't get into it outside of TikTok, because I think TikTok has such a smooth user interface and on youtube it's a little clunky so i haven't really given it much of a shot i haven't tried tiktok but youtube seems pretty simple it's just scroll to the next one it's the same well it's the same thing with tiktok but like the, the thing is like i it's hard to describe but i feel like the tiktok experience is a lot more fluid and like mm. it seems to know you better than than the youtube algorithm yeah the youtube algorithm is garbage like they'll show you one thing and then if you watch it for the whole thing or most of the thing they'll show you that same channels like other 50 things they've produced and it, it just like puts you in a box it's like you showed me one thing i can't disprove that i'm not into it <laughs> it's it's so it's insane because like what's funny is like the other day i was i was actually um i was talking to my mom about um because she, she'll bring up random stuff as like you know different conversations uh that we go along but for whatever reason, a little while ago, she she searched up volcano eruptions. And so ever since, like every couple of days or so, she'll be like, hey, did you hear that there's a volcano eruption in such and such place? And that's like last week, I was like, how do you know all this? And she's like, oh, it's popping up on, on my YouTube. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so it's just so selective with what it will show you. Like, like we talked about this last week. We have a our YouTube channel, which we might start posting on, by the way. We should. We really should. We have that. And I like the recommended for that channel gets so many different like trailers, clips, all these things. And I'm the exact same person on my YouTube, but I get none of these recommendations. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Are you liking certain things? Is that maybe? I don't like anything. Oh. It's kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm an, ap- I'm an apathy guy. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> you know what did pop up on my feed recently? Uh-oh. That's kind of relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was actually so we've been talking about um DC quite a bit, right? And I recently got a chance to take a look at an advanced showing of the Flash, which uh, which is on my wall this week. Tell me more. Tell me more. I will tell you just a little bit more because <laughs> um, 
I'll be honest. I, uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought this was the best thing DC's done in a while. Like, but then again, like that, that bar is kind of low. You know, you and I have always kind of had it in a little bit for DC, just because I think the quality is a bit subpar. But um, Andy Muschietti, who directed this movie, he directed the 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 most recent incarnation of it, the Stephen King uh, novels. I think he did it in part one and two. Part one is brilliant. Part two, I thought was was pretty good, but still not as good as part one. There's so many elements of like this like horror aspect that he brings to the table here. Um, it's it's good, and that's the thing. Like I did, I wasn't expecting it, and you know we'll we'll talk about it more. I guess when when we both have had a chance to watch it, it might not be for a while, but but uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised, and yeah, I. I know there's going to be some controversy with this movie, given that Ezra Miller is starring and he's had some wave of legal troubles. But from a purely content standpoint, I think this is a pretty good movie. And, you know, people should give it a shot once it comes out. Um, That being said, again, (laughs) controversy with the whole Ezra Miller situation. But if you have a chance to check it out, I I would say it, your your money's not going to be ill spent here. That, yeah, I'm kind of interested by it. Like the the tr- the concept of it, I'm not that intrigued by. But then after that Super Bowl trailer, I, it kind of looks pretty good. The the other the refreshing part about this too is like I feel like the Marvel machine in the last couple of years has been churning out movie after movie, and some of the CGI has been looking pretty shoddy. Yeah, and. I can't say the same thing about this. Like everything looks so cleaned up. The performances are all well done. The Michael Keaton Batman performance I thought was was particularly well executed. The only gripe I have about any of this is like I don't know where we stand because of the whole reboot thing that James Gunn's doing or reboot but not reboot. Like I don't know where we are with the structure. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm it's I find it hard to get too excited about this because I don't know if I just spent time. What like I, I I hate to also think about this as an investment, right? But like, whenever you're watching a movie that's part of a universe, I think that you kind of have to treat it that way, you know, because you're you're watching it with the expectation that there's a story unfolding for the overall. And it just I don't know where we are with DC, but this is a pretty good movie. I almost am okay if they make just a bunch of individual stuff. But don't even attempt to tie it together. Like, if you come out with, like, Robert Pattinson's Batman and, like, Joaquin's Joker, both both were amazing and didn't rely on any other characters from other movies. I'll agree. I think, and I think that's what they were doing the last year or so. Like, I think before the sale to Discovery, that's what they were trying to do. My only, like, the only thing that I always had an issue with on warner brothers this front is i feel like they never really knew what to do with the dc characters because there's characters like superman green lantern you know wonder woman especially that like they took so long to get them anywhere and some of them haven't even gotten their own movies yeah and they 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 have stuff that marvel doesn't like marvel's missing some key characters from their roster that they had to buy back from fox and you know sony or they need to buy back from sony DC doesn't have that issue, and yet here we are, like several years into the current movie climate, and 
we still have like what the 18th Batman at this point, you know? Like it's it's just like but like this this movie's a reminder that things could be done really well if if they actually get people that are interested in these characters to to do them justice. League. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I kind of don't care that we get like a bunch of different Batmans though. Like it is nice to be like to be able to rank them and and talk about like which part of their performance that you liked and like we've talked about that a lot before like playing both Bruce and Batman it's it's kind of a tough task. Well, no, I I totally get that. It's just that I feel like there's a wealth of characters that they could also explore, and we just it feels like they don't want to go that route. And you know, I, I don't know for 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 me as somebody who's read comic books on all this, right? Like my favorite stories have come out of DC. Uh, I think I like if from a comic book perspective, I would pick DC over Marvel nine times out of ten. So I would love to see some of those great stories adapted to the screen and kind of given their their chance to to shine, which I hope we do. But, you know, we'll see. Well, when does that come out again? Is that summer? Uh, June. I believe it's June 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um, That's not too far away. No, we're going to get bombarded with movies starting next week. So I think, you know, every single week a big blockbuster is hitting until July. So that's going to be nuts. I'm I'm thinking about getting AMC back just for a few months. It's going to be crazy. Indiana Jones, The Flash, um, Guardians, right? Guardians is next week. I think it's May 5th, right? Yeah. Maybe we should do a, an ep on just breaking down the upcoming stuff. We should. I think there's a lot to kind of sift through, um, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, like I, there's movies that I definitely want to spend some time talking about this summer. Yeah, I don't really have anything interesting on my wall. Like I'm kind of between shows. I'm I'm toying with the idea of doing like some rewatches of stuff, and then I'm like, oh, there's so many things that I should just start instead. Um, but right now I'm just I've just been watching a lot of sports, man. Like the NBA playoffs have been going on. Love what the Knicks are doing. Uh, did you see Wrexham made uh, it went up a tier? Yeah, the team the... Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney own. I saw that. I still can't get over the fact that Ryan Reynolds owns a team. Every time yeah. I see it, I think it's like a a a a, a, a situation. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but no, they actually like in just two seasons moved up their team up a league. Like it, it kind of just shows that like all you need to do is pay people <laughs> pay for more well that documentary or, or that show, show was so yeah cool. it but it also highlighted a lot of the stuff that i didn't know and even when i got into ted lasso i had no idea how structurally how these things worked yeah so yeah I, like it, there's something about sports in general whether you're like here in the u.s or in, other, in any other country that just kind of like the spectacle of it is just like a little piece of the whole experience and i think that some people sometimes maybe missing that from you know from giving themselves that experience yeah yeah we're recording this during the is this the third season of ted lasso right now that yeah we're yeah we're a few episodes in and that show is so great because it is like a like i don't know in the u.s we're not huge soccer or football heads so it's nice like soft introduction into it because you get so many other plot points but i think welcome to wrexham was another side of that that could get a lot of fans into it um and i think they're making a season two to come out hopefully i think they were hoping for like august 
I hope they do. It's 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 been I like all this stuff too. Like I feel like I was really into it, especially when I was a kid. Like I was a lot more into sports, but I kind of fell off of it for sometime. But this stuff has piqued my interest in actual like games and stuff. So yeah, I've yeah, been I would love to go to a game too. or a match, as they call it, uh, a proper match. <laughs> <laughs> and now that we've offended some people, let's move on. Yes, let's move on. <laughs> all right, let's stop. Let's talk uh, the finale of Mandalorian. Do you want to do any like general thoughts, or do you just want to get into this? Let's let's get into it. I feel like we're recording about a week late <laughs> into yeah. this. I feel like anybody who's listening to this that doesn't want to be spoiled, now's the time to pause. Um, I mean, if you want to give me like the general like one to ten, like or whatever scale of liked it or loved it or hated it. Yeah, I think I can't talk about the finale without talking about the overall season. And I think that we'll get there. I rewatched. <laughs> talk about the I, episode first. <laughs> I rewatched the whole thing um, over the weekend. Damn. Because I had nothing better to do with my life. <laughs> um, no, I, I I have a more like fonder appreciation for the the finale after after watching it. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I thought it was a pretty good um, close to the season. I think the it matched the overall kind of like chaoticness of of, the, of this season. Um, I don't I don't have any particularly negative thoughts on this episode, and that's the thing that I, like I have my criticisms, but I don't think any of it I could point at and be like, oh, like because of this, I can't, you know. It, I, I know like fandom's been a little divided on on this season. It seems like everybody's split between either liking it or hating it. For for one, like I've really enjoyed it. I've had a lot of fun with this season. Um, I have, you know, like I said, my criticisms, but I think this finale tied things up pretty nicely. Um, and it closes up a lot of the stories that we had pending from the first season till now, while also leaving some room to explore the future. So it's not like a definitive end, but if they were to announce tomorrow, like, oh, sadly, we're not moving forward with the season four. I'd be totally content with this being the finale too. Like I, I see it kind of going both ways. It's kind of like Kenobi, but whereas Kenobi, I felt some finality to it. This, I don't. I feel like there's still some possibilities for it, and clearly it's setting things up for us. But I was satisfied. I thought it was. I thought it was a good finale. I didn't think it was spectacular. I didn't think it was like fantastic. I just thought it was great. Yeah, I would echo a lot of the stuff that you said. I think I'm in the same boat of like I would always love more another season, but I'm okay if we can't get that. Or if like the next season's not about Din Djarin at all, it's and he just makes a couple appearances or something like that, I'd be totally fine with either any of those options. I think I'm on the borderline of like and just under love for this episode. I I mean I loved the action of it. I I agree. I think it was chaotic. I think you know the the actual fights were were good. They're choreographed and they're really complicated too. Like you're dealing with people on jetpacks. I think I go down a tier for some of these plot closeouts that we have been talking about. Um, I don't have a, necessarily like a problem with how things are wrapped up. It's just kind of like the Ray Skywalker thing where it's like you kind of get your hopes up for one thing and then you don't get it. And you can't really fault them because they still wrote a good script and a good you know organization of ideas. But it's not exactly what you want. Yeah, it's definitely like... Um... One of the things that I thought, you know, maybe a behind the scenes thing, but I I feel like the firing of Gina Carano 
kind of messed with the flow of this season because I noticed a few things that now rewatching the the season made me realize that I feel like that played more of a of an influence on the show than I initially thought. So um, I know they were setting her up to take on her own show with the Rangers of the New Republic. That's why they had like uh, Carson Carson Tiba, I think the the captain's name was um, on the show, and they were gonna spin both of them off into the, that show. It seems like they recycled elements of that show into this season, whereas which is where I feel like which is why this season felt a little unfocused at, uh, at times. Like we'll pivot to another story and try to work some things in. Um, so I think that that kind of threw them off of it. And and no, being familiar with productions, uh, production schedules and cycles and how that kind of goes into effect. I think that letting her go and scrapping plans for that alternate show ultimately like probably put the creatives in the position where they had to recycle some of the stuff they already had for for that series. So knowing like acknowledging that I give some like I guess leniency towards the way that I look at this. Uh, but yeah, that, that's just one thing that I, I did find interesting that they were stuffing in some plot points that I think they didn't really want to initially hear. Yeah, but I think it, it didn't come across as like it was totally forced. Like, I think they they played it off pretty well as like him just having more allies throughout the universe. Uh, but the thing I would want to get into first is towards the beginning of this episode, after all this like Dinger and escaping and Grogu helping him, which was great to see. Um, the Moff Gideon clones, I think, is yeah. like the major part of the the beginning of this episode. And this is the thing that like I didn't love. I wanted it to be Snoke clones or Palpatine clones or like the next, like the step below that, I guess it would be right. timeline wise. Like I wanted that path. Um, it was kind of weird to see like a bunch of Moff Gideons inside the tanks. And like he was literally, he was legit like serious last episode when he was like, I am the perfect person. I just needed the force. <laughs> Yeah, I so I have a few thoughts on that though. Like I think that part of the I didn't mind it mainly because I thought like the way that the way that I reason it is it kind of explains why we didn't get a proper working Palpatine clone and why he wanted Ray to strike him down so he could take over essentially. Um because from my thinking it was like I think I think Pershing was successful. And those clones were like force wielders, but we're never going to get to see their potential because they mind flared Pershing. And then the clones get basically um, drowned, killed, wh- however you kind of want. Like, I wanted to see a scene of all those Moff Gideon clones just flapping around. <laughs> yeah. Fish out of water. Like missing legs or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought, um, I thought from an in-universe perspective, the selfishness of that Shadow Council, because they're all clearly working on different things. Like, this was... If it weren't for Moff Gideon mind-flaring Pershing, they probably would have been able to avoid the whole Snoke thing and actually get Palpatine the proper body back, but they didn't because of this dude. And so it kind of serves as an explanation as to why we even have Snoke to begin with. But to get... Yeah, but, like... This is the major thing that a lot of people just had problems with was with Snoke. And to get a little bit of an origin story 
or teaser or thread, I think would have gone a lot, like a long way with some upset fans. I think we're getting there, but we're just seeing the building blocks of it. Like we we got this little taste of it so that fans are like, oh, well, this is kind of a possibility. And then we kind of get the rest of it after. And and I have some thoughts, and we can get into that later because I think it, it just kind of touches on Ahsoka and stuff. But um, I I feel like we we're still gonna get that. We had enough of a thread tying to the to the sequels here that I I thought I was satisfied with what we got. To be honest, like I didn't really think we were gonna get a deep dive into it just yet. Mm-hmm. Those Praetorians, like that that was a big call out to those. Uh, to the Praetorian guards that we see in the sequels. Um, and being that one giant nerd that like used to look at all the visual guides and stuff, <laughs> I noticed the difference in the armor and stuff from, from them. But the weapons are the exact same things that they use in, in The Last Jedi. It's hard to tell with these weapons. Like, what are they exactly? Because they could stab through Vizsla last week. But they were just like stunning din this week. So that um I think I might have mentioned that before, but like the reading those like little visual guides that they give you on and I forget what platform I was watching Last Jedi on before, but they had this little like Amazon X-ray mode kind of thing. It might have actually been the Blu-ray thing that I bought off of Best Buy, but it mentions that the Praetorians have the armor is made out of this like alloy of a metal used by the Mandalorians, which we now know is like Beskar, right? But so are the weapons. So I would imagine that those weapons being powered by whatever electrical thingy that seems to power every non-lightsaber weapon (laughs) in the universe, paired with a little bit of an alloy with Beskar would be enough to maybe pierce things. But I thought, I could be mistaken, but I thought they stabbed Paz Vizsla through the the little... um, like the Which cracks are, between armor. Yeah, because that's like I would I, I told you I did the whole nerdy thing on the last episode and went frame like paused it frame by frame just to see because between the Mandos were shooting at the at the Imperials through the folds of the of their armor and vice versa. So on the Praetorian fight, I noticed the same thing. They stabbed him where the shields wasn't covering anything. Yeah. Yeah, you you actually see a lot of that in this last episode of when the Mandalorians are fighting whatever we want to call the Empire Mandalorians. The Imperial Super Commandos, apparently. Right. I'm not going to. That's too many. I'll go <laughs> that's, Super Commandos. That's too big of a name. <laughs> but you, you saw a lot of the Mandos shooting like under the helmet as like their the main weak spot, which is like a really tiny sliver to hit, especially when you kind of like watch Din run away from uh, Moff. His whole like hamstrings are exposed. Like the whole back of yeah. his leg is exposed. Like that seems like a pretty easy target there. It does. But then there's also ones that just got shot out of the sky, clearly getting hit in the armor. Yeah. And there's that one scene, which I thought was really cool, but um, where Bo-Katan actually impales one of them with a dark saber Oof, yeah. and it goes through the armor. Yeah. So, again, like it's it's an alloy, right? So technically, like by definition, it's a mix of Beskar and something else. So technically, it's not as you know strong as pure Beskar in universe explanation. But you also see it's like I don't picture the Beskar being 
it's bulletproof, but that doesn't mean that it, you don't feel it. Because you watch Din do these like heroic plays where he'll run up the alley and just get hit a bunch. He's still like reacting to when those bullets hit him. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely like it'll push you back or whatnot. So yeah, this this alloy is probably a little bit weaker. This episode delivered the one thing I wanted from this show since season one with this episode, though, and that's watching Mandos beat up other Mandos in the sky with jetpacks. Yeah. I've wanted to see this since the Clone Wars did it, and yeah. I thought it would be impossible to show it in live action because it's just so massive scale. But they did it. They they did it well as well. Like, it it didn't look... It's stupid to say, but it didn't look fake, like... It looked like real jetpacks, like flying around. The action kept up with it. And it was like, I think one common fault with things like this is that like they zoom too close into the action so that they don't have to show everything. But I felt like it was the right space away. Yeah, they showed enough of the brutality of it. We we talked about Bo using that Darksaber really efficiently in the sky. I saw her hacking limbs off. I saw her impaling people like that. That was pretty brutal. Um, but I think the most brutal out of everybody here was the armorer with that hammer of hers. Like, going, I was about to say she was the weakest, man. She was going <laughs> Thor on these guys, man. Like She was getting up close with them. Like I I didn't take that to be weak at all. She was swinging that thing like, like, like freaking Thor. <laughs> yeah, but they're like <laughs> a quarter of the size. That's true. That's true. Tiny little mallet. Like, that's not going to do much. Well, it's made out of Beskar, so technically. Oh, my gosh. That's the answer for everything, huh? <laughs> it is. <laughs> this plot is made out of Beskar, too. Okay. <laughs> uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the Praetorians before we move on. Because um, that was a really epic fight there. Like, you, you think Mando's totally out of it, even with Grogu there. Like, so when Bo comes down to take over the fight with Moff. Uh, and we get this solo match, 1v3 Grogu versus three Praetorian guards. Like, I, I was hoping for, like, him to, like, somehow steal, like, have Yoda's lightsaber. Like, he's had it on him the whole time or something like that. But yeah, uh, his evasiveness was was well, like, on display here. Yeah, I felt like there was, there's a part of me, that, too, that, like, because we don't see Grogu or Mando in the sequels, I don't know what happens to them, right? So, like, the stakes are there, and so... I think this is the first time this season that I felt like they were actually in true danger. Um, and also, like, listen, I love Moff Gideon as a villain. I think he's like a perfect villain. And the fact that he did not respect the 1v1 between him <laughs> and Mando and the Praetorians had to show up there, um, that was pretty sleazy of him. But the I, suit does something else for him because he got a lot more strength behind some of those punches. Yeah, so that's a dark trooper suit. That he has on him, which I'm assuming he put Beskar in it, right? Like, that's the big thing. But I didn't realize his gloves were also, <laughs> you yeah. know, mech- mechanized. Um, As we saw through the tragic loss of the Darksaber. Yeah, what does that mean long term? Because that's like, I just felt like that whole exchange was odd. Where he asked for it, she says, not this time. And then... Almost within a second, he crumples it like, uh, and then no one gets it. <laughs> I don't think he actually wanted it in this, in the sense that like he felt it had any power. Like in the, in the dialogue from the second season, the, from that finale where he tells Din like, 
the the saber doesn't have any power the story does like he just wants to mock her and like take it away from her because he knows it's gonna hurt her more than it is like he i don't think at the end of the day he ever really cared about wielding it he just wanted to break their spirits that that seemed to be his focus is to keep them divided um long term i think like for one thing getting rid of the dark saber from a narrative perspective makes sense because here's the thing it's essentially like dark excalibur except everybody is trying to claim it and there's this whole thing like you know your rule is dependent on you wielding this thing and winning it the proper way so it being gone is also kind of like a, a little symbolic and you know that phase of mandalore is is, is over um at least that's the way that i kind of took it i i there's the, the the fanboy in me doesn't want it to be gone because <laughs> i actually really liked it i thought it was uh excalibur in the flesh in star wars right like i thought that was a, a cool way to bring it in and th- th- i still fully believe they're going to bring that thing back reforged somehow I mean, they have their forgery back. It's, you know, no way are they going to leave it um, as is, right? But yeah, I think I, it doesn't hold the same power anymore. No, I agree. And I think your take on it is spot on. Because they also, I don't want to say waste, but spent a couple minutes of this episode in that oasis that was like on the surface level. And the, the guys who have been living there forever were like, I know that it just needed some like time and space and like it can flourish um, if we like kind of just leave it alone for a little bit. Um, So I think it is kind of like, oh, we need to reshape the way that we think about things. So I could see that being like, all right, let's transition into this time of elected leaders and, you know, build out a a democracy or a society that works. Um, I agree, though. I, I think they have to bring it back in some form and i think the thing that makes this gets a little too into prediction but i think the thing that makes the most sense is like that dark saber was forged by a force sensitive mandalorian it's not like anyone after him has been force sensitive everyone's kind of just learned how to do the best with it so the thing that makes the most sense is like if grogu is actually becoming a mandalorian they should probably make the saber for him yeah, I think that's that's what makes the most sense for this. Um, I don't know if we're gonna go that route because it's like, so far away. It is so far away, and I feel like it'll come back in a in a different form. Um, because for one thing, I I think it's it's a cool weapon. Like selfishly, I want to see it being brought be brought back. We're setting up the the whole at the end of this episode, right? The the armor essentially gives Din yet another task to go on to take Grogu on his adventures. She says the same way that his mentor took him, which, by the way, if we do get a season four, can we see some of that, too? Like, I'd love to see. I know you, you're introducing things that we're, we're curious about. Yeah, I was like, I now I want to see that. Or even if it's just like a, one of those like Disney Plus specials, a one episode thing, like I would love to see that yeah. aspect of things. Um, but you're right. Like they, they could, they're probably building Grogu up to to take that the saber. I think we're going to see it reforged. I think it's going to fall under Mando's hand again, especially now that it's lost the symbolism that it had before. Like I don't think anybody could really claim leadership of Mandalore outside of Bo-Katan, given the scope of what just happened. Um, <clears throat> and I think eventually it'll fall under Grogu's hands, but it might be. 
It might be already reforged. I just I just don't see them shelving this weapon for that long of a of a time. And now with the loss of the IG eleven mech suit, I I struggle to see Grogu actually wielding a lightsaber for a while, let's say. Yeah, I mean it would have to be Yoda sized. I will I would think, honestly, um, if we do see Grogu again in the future after the show. I would love to see catch up with him in this Ray movie that's being set 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. Like I would love to find out that, you know, Grogu's running things on Mandalore now, or at least like helping to run things. That would be pretty cool. Like I, I just want to see like a more grown-up Grogu with some sort of little Beskar armor on him and the Reforged Saber. How about a helmet? Yeah, but let's not cover that face of his. Come on. <laughs> Too cute. I feel like he'd be a Mando that would be cool with like putting it on and taking it off. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, especially one thing, and we're skipping around here a lot, but I feel like this is kind of like the nature of it. <laughs> the ending when they're um when they're rebaptizing, I guess, uh, uh Ragnar, uh, pre- uh Paz Vizla's kid. Post Vizla. Post Vizla. <laughs> Um, they the arborer repeats the whole creed, minus the part about the helmet. There's no um. Oh, and you'll never take your. Yeah, that's gone, and so I feel like I know we talked about before about whether she intends to actually live together with the Mandals that take their helmets off or not. It seems like she is. So I wonder if that's now the not saying they're all gonna do it, but I think that now it's like, oh, you don't you could take the creed but not have to adhere to the whole helmet rule. It's like a choice now. Well, the interesting thing to me is like the way back into the watch is just to get rebaptized. And all Mando had to do when he had to get rebaptized was like I mean, not all. He had to go to the planet that no one's been on before, find the mines baptize himself in there and have a witness and have proof. But now they have control over the planet. Like anyone can kind of go down whenever they want. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it's just like, you know, going to do penance on Saturdays or something like that. <laughs> like, it's like Catholicism. Yeah. Like <laughs> you can just start over whenever you make a mistake. <laughs> it's been one week since I've uh, confessed here. It's always awkward when you've, it's been a while and you're like, <laughs> it's been over like two decades. <laughs> I don't know where to start, Father. Just please tell me where I need to be. To, how, to many, my how many Hail Marys do I got to do here, man? <laughs> I'll start working on them and maybe I can finish before I die. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even notice that, but that's a great uh, call out because, yeah, I think I, I, I was a big skeptic of the armorers motive i thought for sure she was trying to leverage bow to you know force this religion on everybody but after seeing bow's army come they're clearly like the outnumbered group so i think right if there was any of that which i i'm guessing there never was but if there was that quickly got you know squashed when you see how outnumbered you are in that society yeah. Also, I, I don't know if it means anything from a visual perspective, but the, the the fact that Paz's kid is right next to Axe at the end of this, it would imply to me that like at least there's some 
you know, swap, like what you call it, integration going on there. I'm not saying Axe straight up adopted Paz's kid, but like it could be. Certainly like a mentor. Yeah. Like I, I, I view Axe as a person who could be training the foundlings. Half the fandom um, owes uh, an apology to the armor and, and Axe for suspecting them as, as this potential spy in the spies. Are you not half of it? In the half of the apology. Listen, I I went on the actor's social media and asked for forgiveness. <laughs> for I have sinned. Baptize <laughs> me. <laughs> I doubted your motives. There was so many heroic moments in this episode, man. But Axe, I feel like takes the cake for this. Like <laughs> that was such a like such a power. I, who knows what happened with the bombers and the interceptors? Because we don't see what if he was actually able to take those down. And they just—I don't think he got many of them. I don't think so either. Those cannons are too big and slow moving. Yeah, but there was a moment where you're like, I think the spies—I think he is a spy because when he runs back on the bridge and tells everyone get the heck out of here, only the you know the acting captain looks back, like takes a double look and goes like, "Are we all trusting this guy?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I caught that too, but I. There's part of me that thinks that's very deliberate, right? Like, because like it can't be that they're setting up the shots in this way and not expecting us to take it to that point, right? And calling and it, an episode the spies, like, yes, exactly. When there's no clear and apparent spy in the episode other than the woman on that uh, on Coruscant. Then again, it's also so. I was reading this post on on Reddit about. Um, the biblical themes in the Mandalorian. And I, I thought it was like a little bit of an eye roll read at first, but then the more I got into it, the more I was like, okay, this person kind of has a point. This, That's the internet for you. Yeah, I know. Well, well there, there's a, there's a chapter in the old Testament about, um, about, about the Jews going back to Israel. And um, I think there's, there's a passage where they send a group of people to go into the, to basically scout the, the area. And they refer to the group as the spies. In other words, like the other meaning of the of the word being the the scouts essentially. Um. So the person on Reddit was making the argument that this was kind of like a double meaning in terms of like the spies, as in the Imperials have spies, and then the spies, as in this group, is going out to scout Mandalore, which that might solve that whole thing. I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to put too much stock into things like that, but. Um, I just thought it was very curious that they titled it The Spies, <laughs> and everybody was collectively scratching their heads trying to figure out, thinking that there's this big puzzle here. There might be. I mean, they might be saving something for the next season, but like, I, I thought the armor and um, Axe, I feel like both of them kind of showed differently here. Yeah, I didn't do that much research like you clearly do. Uh, just trolling the internet but that makes sense i mean the planet wasn't under their control so they had to send in their own group of scouts which you know they spied on the base and got their way in so yeah there's definitely probably double meaning there uh last thing in this episode is din adopting grogu and then they and grogu gets a new last name uh that easily but they move into a nice little cabin how cute I know. I look at that. I bet you he's he's paying some pretty good, decent, like non-expensive rate in Navarro. I think it's free. I think it's paid off. Oh, it, 
See, he's got he's got a handout right there from his old party of grief. As he should, all right? The man has yeah. been through <laughs> hell and back. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about their ending? I thought, so to tie into that was the whole IG-11 being restored as the marshal for Navarro. Great replacement for Cara Dune, I guess, because that's that's the yeah, that was her spot before. Um, I was satisfied with it. I thought the like I, I'm I'm as a film nerd, right? Like I'm very I'm very like excited whenever we see like elements tie in, and I think because this is a very like what you call it, um, Akira Kurosawa type series just because of the like there's a lot of japanese old japanese movie motifs that get um played on here it reminded me of that tying in with the western because this is exactly how you end the western film from the from like this from the spaghetti western days you know like this is how this is exactly the type of shot minus the very star warsy thing of putting the little transition there because let's be honest this is the same series that uses a blur wipes and crisscross transitions across the prequels and the and the original trilogy. So I'm not it's not completely out of it. it. Um I thought it was good though. Like I this was the the kind of thing that closes out that first chapter. Um I still recall back to like the first season of Mando when they're in that that backwater planet helping out those villagers defend themselves. And there's a part of uh there's a dialogue between Din and the the main uh, woman of the of the village, where he was telling her that, you know, Grogu deserves to live life as a, as a child, you know, carefree. And so this is the closest he kind of got to that. So it kind of came full circle, at least to me. Yeah, deep reference there. It's been a while since I've watched the first season, but no, you're absolutely right. That's a, exactly it. Just kick your feet up. I mean, kick your spurs up and. Watch the kid play in the front yard. That's so Western of it. Um, yeah. I liked it. I think it's a nice little ending because like we were talking about at the top of this, it's you can either continue on and have him do a, a season on missions where like Grogu gets more experience. You could do another season on like him just occasionally being in the picture or you could just end it here. And, you know, we know where it would go. We wouldn't get to see it, but we know the idea of what they want. Yeah, this gives us a lot of options. And I think that we're I think we're definitely gonna see them again, whether it's season four or whether it's you know in the Ahsoka series or whatever. I don't know. I, I feel like we've closed out this chapter for Mando, but there's so many possibilities and I'm excited to see what they do with him next. I don't think they're done. He's like too much of a moneymaker to yeah. to shelve him. Um but I'll be honest, if they come back to season four and we get to like a smaller scale the way that season two was, I wouldn't complain because I feel like I kind of missed that that like linear focus on just Din and Grogu. My favorite parts about this series have been that. It's been like watching a character grow from point A to point B. So I kind of missed that this season because I feel like this season felt... Uh, <clears throat> sorry, this season felt so big in scope. And I appreciate that. But there's like this tenderness to the small scale thing that I feel like really, really works and really speaks to me <laughs> that I missed from the first two seasons. Yeah, the stakes were pretty high this season because it wasn't just about him helping Grogu 
get to the next stage in his life. It's it was all about like helping the Mandalorians retake their home, which is a huge task. Um, number one, like you have to unite them under the same banner, then you have to scout the planet, then you have to bring people in, and it's like there's going to be forces against you. This was way bigger than anything that he's dealt with before. So I like that he has actively chosen to go back to the bounty hunting days, but do it on the the right side of the law this time. Yeah, he's becoming a ranger of the New Republic. Mm. Mm. But it is interesting that like the rangers can't even get like budget approved for it. <laughs> and Tim's like, <laughs> you'll find a way to pay me. You can afford me. <laughs> yeah, I honestly like I I feel like the the way that this was closed out felt like a series finale to me. And it kind of, to me, it leaves me asking the question of like, did they expect this to be a series finale at some point? Is there some questions as to whether or not they're going to continue this? It felt a little odd because of that. Yet at the same time, like appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So where do you see this go? Or like, What's up next for this? I think, honestly, from a... Like, if I'm to think about this from a production standpoint and see what makes sense for, like, the franchise, I think we have another two seasons ahead of us for this before we close this out with the movie. Um, That being said, where we go, like, the adventures of Grogu and Din are clearly up on, 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 on the books there. By the way, the, the naming convention is a little weird to me. The fact that it's he's Din Jaren, but I guess his actual name is Jaren and his last name is Din because Grogu becomes Din Grogu. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works. I thought it was a whole family thing, but then how do you explain Django Fett to Boba Fett? Like Dude, you don't get it. Just you'll never get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> I don't I just don't get that part. But mm-hmm. um yeah, no, I, I, I think we'll I think we have another two seasons ahead of us at least. Because I think if if I'm thinking about this in the way that they're looking at from like a franchise perspective, it makes sense to have that in. I think we have two seasons of this, two seasons of Ahsoka. I would I would be willing to bet that there's two seasons of Ahsoka. Um now that being said, they can very well close this off here, give us just a season of Ahsoka and lead us into the movie. But I have a feeling that um, at least the way that Dave Filoni likes to story tell all these things, we're playing a little bit of the long thing of the long game here. And I'll be honest, like for the most part, I've been fairly happy with the way things have been planning out here. The only disappointment a little bit has been Book of Boba Fett, but even that picked up towards the end. Like I don't, I didn't think it was a full waste of time. Um. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I do think we have a couple seasons in it left. Now, where are we going to go narratively? The adventures are there. I don't know. I, I'm I'm assuming we're going to start doing more crossover between the Rebels characters and and this universe, because we started to s- plant the seeds for it this season. Yeah, I think that would be the ideal way to go. It's just tying the Rebel stuff. But I'm kind of, I'm almost like, carefree with this i almost don't care where they go i just don't want to see it go beyond its expiration date where they're trying to do something that we kind of have moved on from and are forcing us to just keep watching this stuff 
I don't think it's going to get there, right? Because, like, and, and I say that because I feel like, for example, the Bad Batch announcement that we're having a season three and that's it. This isn't the Lucasfilm. Like, I think Lucasfilm has been fairly good about this. This isn't Marvel where they're like, well, we're going to we're going to make unlimited seasons of this or we're going to do like 17 movies. We, they they're good about establishing a roadmap. There's filler and there's like nitpicks that we can do here and there about things. But I think from from a roadmap perspective, I have confidence that they've planned this out. Um, so I, I, I do have some. And, and the thing is, I think all of these choices are, are deliberate, right? Because, like, for example, like the Jack Black and Lizzo stuff that was very heavily criticized this year, right? Jack Black's character is mentioned to be an architect who rebuilt their city, right? The city is a domed city. Mandalore was domed cities. So are we not planting the seeds there for some help to reconstruct Mandalore? Like, you get what I mean? Like, I feel like all these little things are carefully thought out. Whether you like the content of it or not is a whole other thing. But I think that the seeds are there. It's not like they're just putting this for the heck of it. I think once you zoom out from things, it starts making more sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm the same way. I'm kind of carefree about it. I don't necessarily have stock in any which way they go. I'm just excited to see what they do with it. And I'll be honest, I'm very happy with where Star Wars is. <laughs> Versus where some of the other stuff that we've covered uh, is going or has been going. Because it feels like there's a driver in the driver's seat. And that driver knows where they're going with the car. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I totally trust Filoni and Favreau, their roadmap. Um, the thing I care most about, though, I I need this documentary series to come back. The gallery series. And I, I love and those. I, I really want more than just like that two-part thing that they did for season two. I think the round tables was way more interesting than that style of um, like the Marvel assembled series where it's like more of like behind the scenes cuts and side interviews. Like those, those have value for sure. But I want, you know, people who are passionate, who directed it, who wrote the script for it. I want them in one room talking about it. Me too, man. And it's one of the reasons why whenever I go to like Comic Cons and stuff, when they have the little panels where the crew from those movies are talking about things, it's always such a fun time. Like if you have a chance to check it out, I think Doug Chang had a whole concept of the Mandalorian panel at celebration that's up on YouTube. I think somebody uploaded it. I was watching it the other night. Um but it, it's it's so good because they get into the nitty-gritty details of how they designed this, what kind of thought went into it. I love that first season's multiple episode series with that behind the scenes stuff because you got a chance to have everybody talk about what they love. Um, the music episode from Ludwig uh, Gorshwin, who did not only this stuff, but like he did the Black pa- the first Black Panther movie soundtrack. Guy's a genius. Like a, like from a musical standpoint, it's hard to separate yourself from Star Wars and the music of Star Wars because John Williams is such a iconic kind of orchestra maestro uh so to switch the sound to what we have on the show was a bold move but it was pulled off really well and we got to see like the inspirations behind all that um even his stuff about the boba fett um show like the fact that he went with a whole maori music type of way like it's just so cool to see all that so yeah i I agree i'm looking forward to that i hope they do a series but i'll be honest i feel like they're pivoting more to that movie length documentary style thing versus uh overall episode breakdown 
which is which is still fine because you get nice tidbits from it. Um, like they spent a long time on how the Luke CGI was done, um, which was really interesting to hear about. So if that gives them an opportunity to like actually take us into the rooms where things were, you know, being manipulated or or recorded, um, that's also like something of interest. So maybe it's some sort of mixture of both is kind of like that that perfect uh, product to create. A uh, question for you as we're looking at the future of all this stuff. Like I know we have like a last week we we're talking about all those projects that are coming down the pipeline. Um, what are you most excited for outside of the Mandoverse stuff? Like, are you interested in the Ray movie, the James Mangold stuff, the Acolyte? Like, do you think there's an era of Star Wars that you feel like would catch your attention the most if they did a movie on or a project on on that era? I think the Acolyte's like probably number two for me. It's very interesting. I want to go really far back in the day and and see the forging of the like the beginning of the Sith. Um, I need to hear more about Favreau's project. Or no, not Favreau. Who's it that's doing um, The First Jedi? Oh, James Mangold. Yeah, Mangold. I want I, I think that also sounds interesting. Just because like this is something that we've never even touched. Or even really talked about, uh, really. But I think, not just because it's coming up soon, but I think um, Ahsoka series is the most interesting to me. Just because like, the Rebels... Um, plot lines and and action and everything from that really was a a fun watch and it would it kind of makes it feel like oh it was worth it to watch it more so even more than just being like oh this is something good to watch it's like oh it, it was good to watch and now they're gonna build off of that even more it's also Filoni's baby essentially yeah you know? like he's been building towards this for such a long time but yeah, I, I agree. I think Acolyte for me is probably the project that I'm most looking forward to out of what's immediate. Yeah. I'll be honest, like, I feel like if the James Mangold thing is successful and it lands enough fan interest, I would love to see him tackle, like, the Old Republic and that era of, like, the like the stuff that we used to get in video games back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Like, set it to canon and, like, give me Darth Revan and Malgus and all these other characters that were super super popular like it's there like let's just do something with it because i feel like like i it's that would be a very fun era to explore giving the fans what they kind of want and then also like really just like going outside of the whole skywalker thing because i think it's time that we start you know splitting splintering away from that a little bit yeah i i couldn't agree more they should make um like a formula one uh, pod racing series and the broom boy disney special <laughs> the broom boy <laughs> the broom boy from last jedi <laughs> damn a whole canto bite series yeah so i rewatched it the other day man and I'm, I'm not gonna lie that that ending is probably one of my favorite endings to a star wars movie in the while after rewatching that with the little kids playing with their little action figures recreating luke like emphasizing that luke became that legend that he didn't really think was going to be worth much. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was really cool. Like, that and the, the casually being like, oh, he's force sensitive because he can move the room thing. Like, it was just very, like, aspirational and stuff. So, what nobody saw was that there was actually, like, a gust of air and he just saw. 
<laughs> and, and just push the broom over to him. <laughs> Listen, broom boy better be in that raid movie, right? <laughs> she better have come back for him because she finds him and then tries to kill him in his sleep, blue style. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, too soon. I just I don't know why they would free the fairy the the five years before they would free, free the the slave children. <laughs> it just didn't make sense <laughs> to me. Dude, don't question it. Come on, you know better than that. I know. All right, anyway. why don't we uh yeah why don't we wrap it up there? I'm sure there's gonna be more Star Wars stuff to talk about, but we got a whole lot of movies like you said coming up, so we got yeah. tons of projects. Before we sign off here, though, one quick thing. From my end of things, I think this is probably like if I were to rank the three seasons of Mando, it'd be season two at the top, season one, and then this would be the the the, the third one. Not saying that this is bad at all. I'm yeah, just saying no. like if I was forced to rank them, that's how, that's my ranking. But Which nobody forced you to do that except for yours. Except for my my own ego right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really remember season two that well. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't know why it was. So good in your eyes. <laughs> you don't like the ep- the episode with uh, the frog with frog lady. I remember that one. <laughs> I remember the worst. <laughs> um, was Bill Burr in that, or was that in Boba Fett? He was in both seasons. Bill Burr in the first two. Yeah, but okay. So that um, that his intro was in the first season right. and then the whole prisoner thing was in the second because that's the problem like prepping for this i feel like i watched season two and i also watched book of boba fett and then i just kind of got those merged since mando was in a lot of uh boba boba fett really put a little bit of a fork in in the rhythm of this a bit yeah yeah so i'm not gonna rank it because no one's forcing me so okay thanks for giving us your <laughs> definitive ranking <laughs> okay <laughs> and on that note <laughs> thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening.